Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that has a word for everyone who says that money can't buy happiness, because have you ever handed money to someone and they handed you a beer? That's right. It's Dale. <laughs> yeah, that's right. B-W-E-R. Yep, got to have that beer. Or a uh, monster beer. It just levels you out, huh? Yes. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. Yeah. We could use a sponsor, Monster. Yeah, if you want to sponsor us, <laughs> shoot us an email. We'll we'll put you on the show. Yeah, we'll we'll get us we'll get us hooked up that's right just send us a case we'll talk all you want <laughs> what's going on today dude <laughs> same old same old man you know it i know what's going on with that though it's cold it is cold you like it but i hate it well i, hate I don't like cold. it real cold like 16 degrees cold I yeah but like it's supposed to get colder than that yeah there's a cold snap coming in i don't like it i don't like it at all <laughs> but you know what i do like hey yeah, how about that bring it on we have a brand new apple podcast review a five star. Five star. Five star. And it goes, great podcast. You guys really do a wonderful job with your podcast. I'm addicted to your episodes. Keep up the great work. And it comes from uh, Tubalcane 1. Well. Tubalcane 1. Well. Ain't that cool? Yeah, it is. Tubalcane. Tubalcane. <laughs> we appreciate it a whole bunch. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to give us a five star review and put a little bit in the box. It lets us know you did, and we'll happily give you a shout out if you want to do the same. That's right. Also, Donnie, I'd like to uh, recognize... Rich Adams, man, uh, what, what more can I say about the guy? He he keeps you guys from seeing a bunch of crappy stuff on our fan page. He's one of the admins there, and he's always blocking off his weird stuff that pops up, and trust me, you don't want to see it. And uh, do that stuff, and I mean, he works hard for us, and we appreciate all he does, but on top of that, man, he he's slung a hunk of money under gas, her gas fund this time, man, and uh, how cool is that? That's very cool. I can't I can't thank you enough, man. That was, that was really, really nice of you. Thank yeah. you so much, man. That's just awesome. Help keeps the light on, and keeps us going man yeah i mean he works like heck for us and we don't i mean he don't get paid for it no but anyway i mean we appreciate you and i mean i know he he, he loves us and that's why he does it but man it's just i'm really thankful thanks so much dude yeah we appreciate it a whole bunch and if anybody wants to be like tubalcane one and go to the apple podcast and leave a rate and review please do or you can be like rich adams and donate to the gas fund yeah or yeah. if you just want to tell a friend you can do that too oh yeah we'll take any kind of donation or uh Anything like that. Just word of mouth. Yeah. If I can well, think of words, I'd say them. Yeah. We, we appreciate it all. <laughs> I was going to say compliments. There it is. Well, maybe, I'm a monster beer behind, I guess. Maybe I need some energy or something. <laughs> He's got to have some kind of something in his <laughs> brain to help us tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too cold, man. I froze up. I can't take it. <laughs> I'd rather have it 100 degrees in this mess. I can't do it. Man. Well, we're going to get going on this episode, dude. All right, man. Because we got a crazy case and we got something that's going to piss Dale off. Oh, boy. So, you know, that's going to be a good one. Yeah. This is some uh, <laughs> bad cop going on in this episode. Yeah, I think you just look for episodes that's going to piss me off. Yeah, but this one is rough, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's just, just negligence on the part of the law enforcement in this episode. On top of, on top of, on top of it. It is. And, yeah, I, yeah. and you know, we we back the guys in uniform. We do. Yeah, in blue. We, we support those guys. Yeah, we got some on our team. Yeah, we do. We, but, we appreciate them. We but after hearing this them. case... You gonna it's gonna it's gonna take some people off the way they did. Yeah, I expect David James and Mark Davis be uh, chiming in on this mess. I hope they do. <laughs> Mark could have been done different. Yeah, everything. Yeah, but we're going back to 1986 on this episode. Oh man, that's yeah. a great time. It is middle of the 80s. Yeah, good music, good times. In high school, baby. Yeah, but we're talking about a lady by the name of Denise Diane Flum. P F L U M. Yeah, Flum. And she was from Connorsville, Indiana. And just a little bit of background on Denise. 
She was born on January the 14th of 1968. So oh, she would Happy birthday. Yeah, she would have just turned 56 years old this past January the 14th. Wow. Yeah. But like I said, she was from Connersville, Indiana, and her parents are Judy and David Flum, and she has a younger sister named Jenny. And they were just a really good family. I mean, they were tight-knit, very close, and Denise was really good in school, man. She, oh, yeah. She was top six in her class. Yes, and played three sports. While doing three sports. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She ran track, played basketball, and volleyball. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very athletic. Very athletic, yeah. Yeah. And to be sixth in her class, too. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? It is. Hard work, yeah. man. Very, very. That don't come easy. Yeah. She was doing so well in school that she had gotten a scholarship to go to Miami University there in Indiana. Yeah. With a track scholarship. Cool. Yeah, so she was on her way. She was running right up to the top, wasn't she? She was. And there at Miami University, she's going to study microbiology. Wow. So she's going into science and be She had all her ducks in a row. This girl has got it going on. She she? really did. Yeah. Very, very smart girl. Can't say enough about her. I think at this time, the only thing she was looking forward to was her prom and graduation and going to college. She had everything lined up and ready to go. Yeah, very, very focused lady. Very, yeah. Keyword. So this uh, time that she went missing, it was on March the 27th of 1986. Actually, she went missing on March the 28th, but we're going to the day before, which is March the 27th of 1986. Yeah, that's usually the day before 28th. It is, yeah. So keep, <laughs> I'm glad you keep me straight. Yes, sir. But March the 27th of 1986 was on a Thursday. And she was going to go to a party that night. It was a bonfire party. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a lot of classmates there. And it had been reported that a lot of the classmates went out of town. Well, like just for yeah. spring break kind spring of thing. Spring break thing, yeah. 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 And she was invited to go, but she chose not to. Yeah, she was going to hang around. Well, track was going on. And she was serious into that, so she was going. They probably had some kind of practice or something. Well, yeah, stuff she was uh, bearing down on, man. Yeah, yeah. But she was going to that bonfire party, right? And the place it was being held was on a farm, and it was like just maybe fifteen minutes from the house. Yeah, I think it was like six miles or something. Yeah, wasn't wasn't far at all. Mm. No. So she goes with one of her friends to this party, mm-hmm. and, and it's a twin. It's all the numbers are all over the place. It's either somewhere around a hundred up to three hundred. Who knows? Yeah. Of course, if you're at a, a big bonfire party, how, how do you know how many people's there? You know, mm-hmm. it's like people coming in, coming out. You know, people stays, people just drop in and leave. So anyway, a lot of people were there. Drop in, drink a beer, and leave. Right. So it's probably just come and go kind of thing. Yeah. And it also been reported that on the way to this bonfire, her and her friend. I think her name was Kim. I think so. They had stopped at a store to buy some beer. How did that work? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were 18. Yeah. And the age to buy beer and alcohol in Indiana at that time was 21. As far as we know. Yeah. Yeah, unless it was just this one little store maybe that didn't mind. Well, who knows? If anybody anyway, knows anything different. Yeah, we ain't throwing nobody in the bus, but we just kind of questioned ourselves, and then we looked it up and like, wait a minute, how did that work? It had been reported that they had stopped and bought beer. Trust me, I know in 1986 here, you couldn't buy beer if you was under 21. Yeah. <laughs> Wink. Yeah. <laughs> but they got to this bonfire, and they were having a pretty good time, but Denise had misplaced her pocketbook. Her purse. Purse. Well, I don't, Where are you I don't, from? I don't know the difference. I guess up there they call it a purse. <laughs> yeah. She had misplaced this purse mm-hmm. and couldn't find it. And it's kind of weird because nobody really knows where it was misplaced. Like if she just set it down and forgot where it was or, or what. Because it's kind of odd. That, I mean, if she drove there, why wouldn't she just leave that in the car? Yeah. You know? Lock well, the door. Right. You keep your keys. You listen. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you need what's in there. But 
It's kind of odd to me. Go ahead. It is kind of odd. But this bonfire was out in the middle of a field. Right. So, so why would you want to carry it around? Of course, I don't carry one, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't. You know, she ladies, might have had a reason. We'll ladies, just go with that. ladies want to chime in on that, like, they can let us know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they stayed for a while at this party, and Denise had to go back home. Yeah. Yeah, because she had stuff to do the next day. And the next morning, you know, she realized she still didn't have a purse. Right. And she was going to have to go back out to there to that field to find her purse. See if she could find it, right? Yeah. And it was getting up about lunchtime. And her mom had came home from work. She had worked at a local bank, mm-hmm. her mom, Judy. And this was Good Friday, which is kind of weird to me because I thought the banks were closed on Friday, Good Friday. Yeah. I don't know if it's closed on Good Friday or Easter Monday. Yeah. Or both. And this bank could have, particular bank could have been open on that. Right. Good Friday. Mm-hmm. So, But she had a long lunch break. And when she got home, Denise was there, and Denise told her that she was going back out to this field to look for her purse. Right. And she called a couple of her friends to go with her. Yep. But these friends were busy. They had something to do and couldn't go with her. You know, and it's kind of odd. I don't. I mean, well, it's not odd, but we don't know why she wanted somebody to go. Maybe she just wanted somebody to hang out with or just go with her and help her look, or if she was worried about something or she ran into somebody at night. But we don't know anything why. But, you know, sometimes you just want a friend to go with you. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I do too. And it, it saved time looking for the purse. Correct. Yeah. So Denise leaves the house, and she drives her parents' uh, Buick Regal. It's a 1981 cream-colored Buick Regal, right. which is a sweet little ride. Yeah. Yeah, it is. A very popular car back in the day. So she goes and looks for a purse. And around 12.30, Judy, her mom, starts doing some work around the house, and and then she goes back to work. Mm-hmm. And didn't think any more about Denise, you know, the figure she'd see her later that evening. Correct. Yep. But there's some sources say that after an hour after Judy got home, which would have been about. We're going to guess 5, 530? Yeah. Somewhere near. Yeah. Denise hadn't got home. Still hadn't made it back. Yeah. No. Uh-uh. No sign of her. So at around 830 p.m., Judy and her husband, David, they decide they can't keep waiting around for Denise to come home. So they go to the sheriff's department and report her missing. Right. And they didn't do anything. You know, they said that she probably just went out with some friends and was just. Yeah. So just, you know, hang tight and maybe she'll show up. Right. Well, she hadn't been gone, you know, a long, long time, but they just knew this was odd for her not to to check in with her parents or let them know what's going on. If she was going to go out there and look for the purse, she would have came back home before she went anything else. That's kind of what they're thinking. Yeah. But see, Denise was pretty good about checking in yeah if she went somewhere she would she got somewhere she'd let them know where she's at yeah call this, was, you know. this was pre-cell phone days so right whenever you get where you're going call me let you know you're there yeah that's right so they start calling around to some relatives and friends of denise's trying to find out where she's at right and this is when uh the dad david he gets serious about this he gets in his car and starts driving around looking for denise yes he's driving up down the streets of connersville indiana looking for her I would be doing the same. Yep, all night long, and Judy's waiting at home just in case Denise comes back home or calls or something. Yeah, somebody needs to be there manning the phones because you can't take it with you. That's right. And word gets out that Denise is missing, and the next morning there were some local farmers that had been out working in their fields when they noticed there was a car that was parked in a secluded lane. This was a gravel road. And these farmers, they really didn't think much about it because – there have been times when, I guess, people will pull up and these mushroom hunters will go out in the woods looking for mushrooms, I guess, or... Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and this 
I guess it's common to see a car out there every once in a while, but they didn't think anything about it. You know, actually, they had seen this car probably like one thirty on the day that she went missing. Yes, it is. So it was only like an hour or so after she left the house that the car was sitting there. And this car, where it was sitting, was four miles from where the party was held. Correct. Yes. yes. And we don't know if that was four miles closer to home or farther away. Well, yeah, we don't. All we know is four miles from the field. Yes, that's right. So when Saturday came around, they noticed that the car was still there. Mm-hmm. And word had gotten out of Denise pretty much everywhere. So they go and report the car, these farmers did, and the local authorities come to the scene. But this is what gets me. The parents got there to find the car before the authorities did. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. That right there ain't really so weird to me that they would get there first, and but I don't know how they would know. Heck, I don't know. It's just it's kind of odd. Anyway, go ahead. It is odd. Maybe when they called the cops, the cops called the parents. So we found the car, and they took off over there, and if they were closer, they'd have got there first. Yeah. That would make sense. It would make sense. So the police, they start processing the car right away. Mm-hmm. It's seen, and they search around the field looking for any clues or anything. They didn't they didn't spot any footprints around the car or anything. It's kind of weird. It is. It's very yeah. weird. But if it was on gravel, you ain't going to see a lot of footprints, you know. But if it, I guess they were looking in the field around it or maybe. Yeah, this is a, disturbed or anything like that, you know, like a, if something had been going on where the gravel had been scratched up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they didn't find anything in the car, no sign of foul play, and the the driver's seat was at the right distance from the steering wheel where it looked like Denise had been driving the car. Yeah, but the car was locked. Yes, it so was. So I guess the good thing the parents got there first, they'd have a key to get for them to get in. But, yeah, so the car sitting there, it's locked up, nobody's around it, no signs of foul play around it, no gravel's not disturbed, like there's some kind of struggle went on, nothing, it's just like it's sitting there. Yeah. Okay. So they just let the parents have the car. Yeah, they didn't take the car in. They didn't do anything, process it or anything. They just checked it out there at the at this gravel road, and that's all they done, Dale. And I heard they took some a couple fingerprints, but we don't know from where. Yeah. But how would they done that unless they just it was blatant? You know what to do? The piece of tape on it and walk off. I guess. Because if they done that, it's more than they've done anything else. Yeah. Mm. But they let the parents have the car. They didn't. That's odd, man. Yeah. You know, if you got a kid missing. Just ask the parents if we can just keep the car for a while. Yeah, you know, at least look, they'll look at it good. Yeah. I don't know. That's odd. Process the car. Look, you know, check out the trunk. Check out underneath. Put it, lift it up. Something. Yeah. Act yeah. like you care. Put yeah. it that way. But they didn't do anything. No, nothing. And the parents came back the next day, and there was a red handkerchief that was laying there where the car was. And they didn't notice this red handkerchief the day that the car was there. Correct. Yeah. So they don't know if somebody came back out there looking around where the car was or what. Possibly. But they did collect the handkerchief. They did. But also they said that Denise had one like it, so they thought maybe it was hers, but they later found out that hers is still in her room, so it definitely wasn't hers. That's right. And they were trying to figure out what could have happened to, De- to Denise. And they got to, you know, looking at the family. You always got to look at the inner circle, oh, yeah, man. You for gotta, sure. Yeah, look at the You got to start there and work out. Yeah. Yeah. You do. And the parents, they were they were good. I mean, they didn't. They had all had alibis on this, and she didn't have any enemies, and no, really, no boyfriend at the time. But she did have an ex boyfriend, correct? And his name was Sean McClung. McClung. McClung, and he and Denise, they'd been together for about three years mm-hmm. in high school, and but they decided to break things off. It was about a month before she disappeared. Right. And this was according to some letters that Denise had wrote some of her friends. And she described their relationship 
is less than healthy. Yeah. Well, you know, go ahead. Yeah. But Denise, it had been reported that she had cheated on Sean. Right. Well, in this letter that she wrote to friends, she said, you know, she was fearful for her life. But I don't know if that's exactly what it said. You know, I think it was more like she had done something and she was going to tell Sean and she knew she had messed up. Yeah. But she that's had, what it was. But she, she had, had cheated on him. Right. She had to tell him she had cheated on him. And she was kind of scared for that. I think that's more than fearful for her life. Well, that'd make anybody nervous, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you done messed up. You know you have, and then you got to tell him. But Denise was a very honest girl. Oh, apparently. You know, and, you know, she's a teenager. I mean, yeah. they weren't married or anything. She just... Yeah, she could have just not told him and hope he didn't find out, but that ain't the way she worked. Yeah. Yeah, she was, she was going to come clean. Yeah. And Sean took this pretty hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was pretty upset, which is understandable. Right. And even though he told him, you know, well, everything's good and it was a mutual breakup and we're still friends, eh, he probably had a little little grit in his head off over that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. That's, but, that's hard to take. But now the friends. Especially after a three-year relationship. That's right. Yeah. But now all the friends did say that they were remaining friends. Yeah. And everything was, was good. Seemed to be good. Yeah. Anyway, right. Yeah. And on top of that, he said he was out fishing with some friends the day that she was gone. Yeah. That she disappeared. That's what he said. That's what he said. And they didn't even check on that. That's what he told them, and they took it. <laughs> now, later, the friends would say, eh, I don't think he was with us fishing. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't ever go back and... No. How do I matter? They didn't, they didn't verify any alibi or anything with this guy. So, okay, you guys are good. You broke up, and everything's cool. So, oh, well, we're good. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But now the police, they seem unconcerned because of this. Yeah. They didn't do anything. The main the main guy, Sean, because of one of Denise's family members, talked to him like the day after her disappearance, and he doesn't even seem worried at all. Right. That's kind of weird, isn't it? He doesn't even participate in any of the searches for her. No. But, but now this is another thing. Yeah, go ahead. Because the police weren't doing any searches. No. The family was doing their own searching. Yeah, like the dad out looking at night driving around. They were out doing all these searches. They said the family was doing like kind of organizing their own thing because nobody was doing anything. There was no official search. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. If he's already talking to somebody else, I could see him, you know, right off the bat not really wanting to participate in, in this thing. If he had another girlfriend at the time. You know, because that make it weird. Yeah. And it ain't like he found her dead or nothing. You know, she's just missing right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. I don't really think that's a... A big flag. I mean, it's kind of that. Now, him acting like he's not worried, that's, that is. Because even though if you broke up and you've been together for three years, you're going to be worried about somebody. I don't care what you say. If you, Oh, yeah. You know, you know, but, You'll always be, especially just a, just a month. Yeah, because that's still Band-Aid fresh ripped off. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as far as going to going over to hang out with her family and looking, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, maybe you would, but I don't see that as a big, oh, shit, he didn't even come look for her. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But now, there was an investigator there in the town. His name was Ted McQuinley. Mm-hmm. And he got in on this case, and he got to looking into it. And just so happened, he was a cousin to David Flum, Denise's father. Hmm. Yeah. Which, to me, is a little bit of conflict of interest. It, it definitely is. And then I can see that two different ways. It definitely is because he's definitely going to have to investigate his family. Mm-hmm. But then again, if you're the family, you kind of feel better about somebody that you know and trust looking for her yeah they would seem like it would put more effort into it maybe yeah and keep you more informed if he could you know let you know more than the typical i get that investigator i think you would you put more trust in somebody you know that they're really gonna get out there and bust their butt looking you know what i mean yeah but i can also see that it's kind of a conflict because he's gonna have to start 
investigating them pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But they weren't investigating anything. They didn't come to the house and look for anything. They didn't search Denise's bedroom. At all, ever. No. You know, maybe look through notes and letters she had written. They didn't check anything like that. No. And this Ted McQuinley, he didn't write anything down. What? He he didn't take any notes. He didn't... Wait, 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 wait. So, if he talked to people we don't know who he talked to, and if he talked to people that we don't know who he talked to, if they told him anything... We don't know if he told him anything. That's right. So he could never go back and recheck notes? He didn't write anything down. Mm. He didn't write, he didn't take anything down. Because, mm. you know, at some point, you know, if this case keeps going on, he's probably going to get pulled off of it and, you know, go to another part department. Eventually, yeah. Yeah, who's going to look into this case? Nobody can ever follow up. No. Well, and don't seem weird at all. And if they go back to Ted and say, hey, uh, what was up with this right here on this case? Well... So they told me about that, but I don't remember. Right. If you'd have wrote it down. Right. So even if he followed out a lead, we don't know. Even if I had leads that fizzled out, we don't know. We don't know nothing. Yeah. Or anybody knows nothing except for him. And like the ex-boyfriend, Sean, he took his alibi, and that was it. Mm. He didn't check. Okay, at this point, I can take back a lot of that stuff where I really thought that, you know, this guy would be busting his butt for he calls his family. He didn't check alibis or anything. He actually looked into more of the parents than he did anybody else because it was published in the newspaper that the parents had been cleared. <laughs> he don't take notes, but he calls the newspaper. Yeah. So just to let know the parents, we're doing our job, but the parents have been cleared. Well, oh yeah. Oh, my goodness. But the parents had solid alibis. Well, yeah. Yeah, they were squared away. But uh, all this other stuff. with I can't believe he didn't take no notes for Nothing. Nothing. Didn't write anything down or anything. Is that not the number one investigating rule? You start writing stuff down, man. Everything. Yeah. Document everything, mm-hmm. whether it seems important or not. Yeah, because the next guy coming along, he'll have it. So, you know, we talked about Denise going out and looking for her purse. Yes. Yeah. Well, the purse shows up at her house. A cousin of Denise's, they had it. They'd found it. Okay, where did she find it? We don't know. It hadn't been reported. <laughs> so... So we don't know who had it or where it was. We don't know if this cousin was at the bonfire or what. This is me just staring because I have no words for this. This is the the most messed up case ever, man. Yeah. What the hell? This is pitiful. Mm -hmm. It is. The the police on this is just not doing their job. Apparently. Mm -mm. At least the investigator guy didn't. I know. And the Wednesday after Denise disappeared, police receive a tip that a 23-year-old wanted man named Mark Hughes is in the area. Okay. And the police led a high-speed chase in a stolen car through the area, about two to three miles from where Denise's car was found. And again, this happened just two days before she went missing. Mm. Yeah. So, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. So, I'll, this don't really mean anything. At the point, at this point, it's just except for they knew it was a wanted guy in the area. Yeah. Okay. And they, I guess they were just, you know, trying to look for everything it could, but. Well, it's a tip. I guess you got to follow up on it. I guess. It's a wanted guy. He's in the area. He's within two miles of where her car was, even though he's got a stolen car and we don't know nothing else. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now initially. Did, he did had, they find him? No, he vanished. But police are now looking for him even harder to question him about Denise. And lo and behold, it's not long before they find him. So he's placed under arrest for the stolen vehicle. Okay. 
And while he's held in custody, police decide to take the opportunity to see if he knows what had happened to Denise. Well, I'm sure he don't. If we, if he did, we don't know because nobody wrote it down. Yeah. But he didn't know anything about Denise. <laughs> okay, well, see you later. <laughs> That's probably what they did. Probably let him go. Oh, my God. So I guess basically they heard that he was a bad guy in the area, so we're going to go check him out. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of odd that, you know, the guy disappeared, but then they really looked for him, they found him. Yeah. So we have this bad guy who's here two days before, who's on the run. And I think they're thinking like if he had happened to cross paths with Denise by some coincidence, maybe something happened. Well, that's, you know, I can see that. You know, it's a stretch. Yeah, I can and, see that. And after questioning Mark Hughes and searching for physical evidence, police really can't see any link between him and Denise. I was going to say, you think they even looked. But the police, you know, they have their eye on another guy. Mm, okay. And, and his name is Benny Johnson. Okay, so is this a better It's a little suspect? bit better. Okay. It's a little bit better suspect. Now, Benny Johnson, his father is Ben Johnson, and he owns the land that the bonfire party was held on. Okay, so did this Benny Johnson, was he the guy put on the party, or do we know? We don't know if he was at the party or not. Okay, but it was on their land? Yeah, it was on his land, but Benny was an acquaintance of Denise, and he knew her through the ex-boyfriend, Sean. Okay. So within the first two weeks after Denise disappears, he apparently calls up Denise's parents and says that he wants to talk to them. Hmm. And uh, he, the first thing he says was, uh, I didn't kill your daughter. What? Yeah, that was the first thing he said. What kind of, what kind of statement is that, dude? Sounds like a guilty one to he me. He just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, they don't even know how to take wait. it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Like, what the hell do you mean? She's, She's just missing at this point. Right, yeah. This is what did they say, a week? Yeah. Ah, dang. So that ain't sketchy at all, man. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, not at all. Mm-mm. Mm. So the police, they go talk to Benny. Well, heck yeah. At least they're doing that. But when they try, his family hires a lawyer and refuses to allow him to talk to the police. And apparently, they're all kind of being a big deal in this community without any evidence. Right. Well, there's also been rumored that there was like two or three people who said that he had confessed to people that he did kill Denise. Yeah, like a drunken confession or something. Hmm. Yeah. It's he like was going that. around town saying that he did. And then he went and told them? That he didn't. Right. And he, I think even one witness had said that he, he had heard him do it at least three times to, to different people. Yes. Well... So he's telling everybody else he did kill her. And then he goes to your mama's house and goes, hey, how you doing? Well, I didn't kill your daughter. Yeah. And she's just missing. What the hell, dude? Yeah. What is going on up here? This this is a, like I said, this is a messed up case, man. So the cops don't get to talk to him all. His daddy done lowered him up because mm-hmm. he feels the heat's coming or something. I guess. And Dale, those confessions aren't even the only thing uh, tying Benny Johnson to Denise's disappearance because it turns out that just after Denise went missing, Benny hosted a party at his family's cabin on this property. There's hmm. a little remote cabin they had. So his, his parents just got a ton of property. Oh yeah, they got a ton of property around okay. uh, this area. Now before this party, he and a friend had gone there early I guess to clean it up. Wasn't his girlfriend, I think? It could have been. Right. And while they were there, the friend noticed some blood. Yeah, and I think the blood was on a sheet. Yeah, but it was a lot of blood. A lot of blood. Yeah. Yeah. And Benny had just said that 
uh, somebody went up there and they'd lost their virginity and uh, that's where the blood come from yeah that's what they were saying but it was a lot of blood mm. and they were there the night before especially if he's telling his girlfriend that she's gonna like wait a minute yeah <laughs> okay so what then they go search the cabin no they didn't go search the cabin they just left it so she tells the investigators what she saw and they don't do nothing no not a thing they didn't go check nothing dude so is ben johnson fun in this police department i don't know what the hell the ben johnson his dad police department yeah yeah i mean come on but now on top of that the investigators receive another tip from a woman named vivian and she says that the day denise went missing she was at her home in connorsville when she heard three blood-curdling screams from what sounded like a woman and vivian heard those screams and she was pretty sure they were coming from just southwest of her home mm-hmm. and guesses what's not far from that direction. There was a large plot of land owned by none other than Benny Johnson's family. Oh, my. Yeah. Now, this kind of goes back. There was another rumor that was going around that uh, Benny and another guy had got drunk and had told them that, uh, that they had brought the nieces to their place or to the cabin. And something happened. They were all partying. And when Denise drugs, saw a dude. bunch of drugs, she kind of flipped out. And somebody hit her. Punched her. Punched her and basically beat her to death and then fed her to some hogs. Yeah. And that's where then the person who had said this rumor is where these, this blood-curdling screams is coming from. Guttural screams is the way that she said it. Yeah. So this is the same screams this lady's thing and she's hearing. That's right. Whoa. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is... Just a mile from where her car was found. Yes. And they, they didn't even go check. No, they didn't check nothing. <sighs> yeah, I know, dude. But this family, this Johnson family is a very influential family. I guess so. In this town. But there's just some straight up incompetence that's going on. But the rumors are running rampant and becoming so loud that Benny's family steps up. And they're the ones that kind of push for something to happen at this point. Oh, yeah. They wanted them quieting this all down. I, yeah. And I bet they do. And they decide to arrange for a private polygraph, and they pay for it themselves. For what? For Benny? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll pay for it. We'll let you know what they say. Yeah. So what What happened there? Well, but the results, they took the polygraph, but the results were never shared, Dale. So it's like. Wait, what? Yeah. So it's the idea of like. Okay, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna put this to bed. We're gonna give Benny a polygraph. We're gonna pay for it. We're gonna bring in our own polygraph test, and I think everything's good. We we don't even have to show you what what he said. Yeah, yeah, we paid for it, so we're not sharing what he said or the results. Yeah, but you know everything's cool. It's just a it's a crazy mess, man. What kind of mess you got us in this week? My lord, this girl. Now getting back to the other guy we talked about, this Mark Hughes. He was the one. The the car thief. Yeah. He was also arrested for a stolen car, like we said, and he had spent the previous year incarcerated on charges related to theft and receiving stolen goods. But on April 2nd of 1987, he was released from prison. And now just two days later, Mark walks into a Payless shoe store in Indianapolis and pulls a knife on a 16-year-old girl and forces her out of the store into his car where he's forced her to drive an hour Hmm. away to Terre Haute, Indiana. Okay. Yeah. And this girl, you know, she was thinking on her feet, but whatever he planned, it wasn't good. Oh, I'm sure. And she tells him that she needs to go to the bathroom. Right. And he pulls over and, like, leading into a farm that's, you know. Like a driveway or something? Yeah. 
And that's when she gets out of the car and just books it. Well, smart. At least you jump out and run. Yeah, just run. run so, he, so he didn't chase her. She gets away or what? Yeah, she gets away. Oh, okay. Yeah. So good for her. Yeah. Okay, so this guy, maybe he's not just a car thief. No. Okay. But, I mean, he's very possible. We'll put him back on the list. Very possibly could have done this, yeah. Right. So this girl from the Payless shoe store was able to get away, right. find help, and return home safely, which starts another manhunt for this Mark Hughes. And it takes a week for the police to track him down. Well, they're pretty good at catching this guy. Yeah, but on April the 12th, he is apprehended and placed under arrest and charged with kidnapping, robbery, and theft, and ends up being convicted and sentenced to 55 years. And he's actually still in prison today. Hmm. Yeah. So okay. you might think that this would land him back on investigators' radar for Denise's case, but uh, the first time the stolen car, he's just a bad guy in the area. That's all he is. So, but okay, yeah. Even though he's pulling a knife, kidnapped a teenage girl, and took her to another city, we ain't worried about it. That's right. God Almighty. So really, in the Denise's case, nothing happens for a year. But then on August the tenth of nineteen eighty eight. Judy, her mom, gets a really strange phone call, and it's a Wednesday, but Judy is home because it's her usual day off from her job and at the bank, and the phone rings. She picks it up right away, and she hears the automated message telling her that she's getting a collect call, hmm. and it's coming from all the way from Norfolk, Virginia, hmm. but she don't know anybody in the area. Huh. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she takes the call. Right? Yeah, she does, and... She's trying to figure out who it is, and there's a person on the end of the line that says it's Denise. Oh, shit. But the connection isn't that great. Mm. So, and she didn't, she couldn't really decide if it was in Denise's voice or not, but her and David, they take off to Norfolk, Virginia. Well, at this point, you got to do what you got to do. That's right. It's been a year, right? Yeah, and the actually the phone call was traced to an apartment building, and they've gone off to norfolk virginia and this was just a week before their younger daughter jenny is set to go off to college mm. but uh dave and judy they just can't let this go by but what it was the girl living in an apartment was a 19 year old girl who used to live in connersville before moving to norfolk with her husband mm, so she knew the story yeah so she just thought it she might be just a, trying to get some money yeah i thought it might be a fun thing to do on a wednesday oh god yeah yeah she'd have known fun thing when i opened that door yeah <laughs> Yeah, she got her teeth bashed in. Yeah. Now, now, Donnie. <laughs> yeah, same. But at this point, Dale, the, Denise's case is really going cold. Yeah. They ain't finding anything. They Nothing's being dug up or anything at this right. point. They got to try to find a way to get this back in the news or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they go public. They do. And they go to the... Rushville Republican. Yeah, say that three I'm times assuming, real fast. I'm assuming that's a, the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. And they talk to a guy by the name of Daniel McFeely. Right. And they're trying to get some stuff shaken up. Right. And get some pressure back on law enforcement. It kind of works a little bit, but something shakes police into action after a few years. And about five years, they finally get a search warrant. For, for the damn cabin. Yeah. Five, five years. Yeah, for Benny Johnson's cabin. I'm sure they've cleaned up a little bit from then. You'd think, yeah. Like I said, this is the one where they discovered the blood. Yeah. Yeah. The day after. Yeah. Five years. So yeah. I'm sure they didn't turn up anything after five years. Probably not. No. And if they did, they probably didn't write it down. Probably not. I'm in shock. 
So at this point, there's a new detective on the case. His name is Scott Jarvis, and he's going in with a fresh set of eyes. His first priority is reworking all those tips that came in over the years. And according to an interview with Christine Guerrero of the Indy Star, he's looking at every possible angle, and nothing's off limit for him. He's uh, It's been over 20 years since Denise had disappeared at this 20 point. 20 years. Yeah. So there's plenty of time for people to come up with their own theories as to what had happened to Denise. Yeah. And Detective Jarvis investigates all of them. He talks to a lot of people who claim to know where Denise's remains are buried. And he interviews prisoners who claim to know exactly what happened to Denise. So what happened to a uh, detective cousin or whatever? Is he retired by now or we, we don't know nothing? I don't. He probably just got moved to a different department. I guess so. Yeah, he's be, not on the case anymore. He janitor or something. He needs to be a janitor. Yeah. Because I don't know how this guy can even rework a case that was never worked to begin with. Nope. But they were able to get some of Denise's DNA. Right. I guess some stuff she had had in her room and maybe uh, they had a baby tooth that she had lost. Yeah, I think that's what they used. Yeah. So I'm sure they probably had hair from a hairbrush or something she had in her room. And right. So they was able to get sure DNA. There's plenty of ways to get it. From and it was entered into the national databases in hopes that someday a match might be made Maybe to a Jane Doe that was found somewhere. Right, but as of now, nothing, right? No, huh? But Judy and David, Denise's parents, have been holding on to everything of Denise's this whole time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, everything in the room just left like it was. Just her, like it was, yeah. Her trophies, her books, her clothes. Waiting for her to come home. Yeah. And there was this baby tooth they'd been pulled when she was a child, so that's what we used to get the DNA from. Right. But now, moving up to 2017, there was a small spark that came back with this the like we talked about the ex-boyfriend sean mcclung he moves back to indianapolis yeah he had moved to arizona not long after all this happened yeah i think it had been I'm not sure how long because it's, it's not very precise i had read that it was about august of that year that denise went missing so six months or so yeah okay you know and some people say well he just left town right away but it was a it was quite a bit of time yeah yeah but he moves back to indiana in 2017 okay but he isn't really squeaky clean mm. there was some, some stu- talk of some domestic violence yeah and uh, mm. uh intim- assault intimidation and the detective assigned to denise's case uh now at this point in 2017 they tried their luck to maybe see if he's willing to come in for an interview yeah and, and so he comes in for questioning mm. and sean denies any involvement in denise's disappearance yeah, but he agrees to do what they call a voice stress test. Yeah, we know how that goes. Yeah. And he takes the test and he fails it on a few key questions. All right. And the, one of the most important questions was, did you kill Denise? And do you know where she is? Right. He failed both of those questions. Well, you know, when we talked to our guy, he didn't he didn't put much thought into that, you know, as far as the, a lot of the... The stress test. Yeah. I yeah. was going to say lie, lie detector, but I don't want him to get mad at me if you listen to this because that ain't what he calls it. It's a polygraph. <laughs> right. Yeah. Machine or instrument. Yeah. Yeah. You don't call it an instrument <laughs> either. But those uh, voice stress tests, I uh, just don't know about that. Yeah. Place. I'll put much into mm-hmm. that. But he did fail those questions on that stress test. Right. And they're looking at Sean kind of sideways on this. Well, I'm sure they try to look at somebody sideways because they ain't done nothing else. Mm-mm. And they can't look at Benny. Because his daddy got in. Yeah, I guess he's still all right. They probably ain't never talked to him, have they? No. Uh-uh. At this point, no. No, not at this point, no. He lawyered up, and they don't have anything on him. Yeah, 
I think Daddy got him locked away. Probably so. But the thing is, like, they're not taking this to court or anything, Dale. Right, the polygraph or the uh, the stress test stuff. No, you can't, uh-uh. you can't do none of that in courts. No, right. right. So yeah. just looking for something to give them motivation or whatever to keep going, right? Yeah. And a lot of people have forgotten about Denise. Because it's been so long. I know. Yeah, sadly. But obviously there's uh, her parents, Judy and David, and right. their other daughter, Jenny. Yeah, and they're not going to give up. No, huh? And they're also supported by a woman named Stacy Reese, who is actually a detective in another jurisdiction. Okay. But now Stacy grew up in Connersville, Indiana. And although she is just three years old at the time, when uh, Denise went missing? Yeah. Okay. She remembers her parents talking about this case, like her mom used to babysit Denise or something, and her dad was part of the initial volunteer searches for her. Oh, wow. And over the years, she has become so invested in Denise's disappearance that she's now dedicated personal time to promote this case and chase down whatever lead she can. Right. But since she's in another jurisdiction, she can't get any of the original case files. No, she don't have access to but it hell, at all. What case files are they? Probably nothing. Besides a list of tips. You know, whatever people done after this um, McQuinley. Gosh. Ted McQuinley. Well, fries my taters. Stacy's pretty much on her own, but her support means a lot to the Flums. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it just shows basically after all these years, she, you know, not everybody has forgotten, you know. I know. But in 2018, a Facebook page called Justice for Denise Flum is set up, and it's based on what I can see. It's just... Looks like her parents actually manage it, and it pretty quickly goes viral. In 2018, okay. Yeah. And it's got thousands of followers. And specifically, a post was made by Stacy, and it does what social media is meant to do, you know, is keep these cases alive. Mm-hmm. And it keeps, and it gets people talking about Denise's case again. So that's probably why that same year, investigators decided to revisit some locations that had been rumored to be connected in some way to mm. Denise's disappearance. Yeah, it's only taken 20-some years. I know. And the primary location that they're looking at is Mary Graybird Sanctuary, mm. which is a large nature preserve in the area. Yeah, 700 acres. Yeah, pretty large. That's, yeah. But there's a particular pond that's of interest to investigators, and uh, this is uh, on Benny Johnson's property. Now, the reason they're out here searching around this bird sanctuary in this pond goes way back to something that the girlfriend of Benny Johnson heard years and years before where one day after school she he had invited her to come he was going to go take her and show her something in the woods yeah out in these woods and she got really uptight about it because it just didn't feel right yeah so she actually went out there and got the feeling kind of weird and just backed out well she was weird before then because she actually told one of her friends, if I'm not home by 4 o'clock, I'm with Benny at this bird sanctuary, and you call the police if I'm not back. Yeah. So tell me, that ain't got a weird feeling. If you're going to do that, something bad's going. You know, at this point, why even go? That's, that's right. You know, that's that's the, you know, call somebody let me know. If you already got that far in, you don't want to go, and you don't feel like being there. But she did go. And then, so he starts taking her out to the sanctuary, and they drive out where they walk out, I guess, out to near where this pond is. And he's going through these clearing, going, you know, out through this dense stuff out in his clearing. But at this point, it's when she got really freaked out because she didn't know what was going on, whether he was going to show her weird or if he was going to kill her or what was going on. And she just like, at this point, she goes, look, just take me home because I, I don't want to be here. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And he does. He does take her home. Mm-hmm. 
So and that was the end of that. But that's that that story popped up, and that's why they're out here searching because they're thinking maybe you know something's out in the pond, or maybe you know a body's in the pond, or or something. That's very true. So they're out here at least searching something they should have done twenty something years ago. That's right. And they go back out in two thousand eighteen, and they've got two cadaver dogs on the scene, and you both dogs hit on the exact same spot near the pond. Well, that ought to tell you something. So plenty of officers and volunteers. Go examining the site and even drain the pond, hmm. you which know, isn't easy. easy right, no, yeah. it ain't easy at all. And they start draining, excavating, and just another dead end. Oh, come on. Despite man. the dogs hitting on that spot, there was no trace of human remains to be found, which means, once again, it seems like there's no real way. So we're back to square one. Yeah, for investigators established a connection between Denise and Benny. Hmm. You know, even if that's where she was, I mean, they could have been moved or anything could have happened in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, hell, this point is probably been way longer than 20 years. I know, but the next thing that happens, the next thing that happens isn't until June of 2020. And this is when the ex boyfriend, Sean McClung, is hospitalized with a serious illness. A terminal, right? Yeah. And Denise's mom, Judy, she takes this opportunity to confront him in a letter. Mm. And she just basically pleads with him to do whatever he can to give her and the rest of the Denise's family some kind of closure. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you know, she's like, you know me, Dave and I are getting older, and our greatest fear is never knowing what happened to our daughter. Man, that breaks my heart. I know. And she's just asking, you know, in this letter for any information. Yeah, she just wants some answers. Yeah. Now, at the same time, Sean receives Judy's letter. He is also arrested on fraud charges. So not only is he clinging to life in this serious illness in the hospital, but he's now he's getting arrested on some fraud charges. Yeah. But he is released from the hospital, and he's now being held in the county jail on whatever these fraud charges are. Right. Though, once again, investigators take this opportunity to talk about Denise's case. Well, maybe got real investigators now. Yeah, and at the uh, first, it seems like old story, but nothing new. But after Sean has a few days in custody, that's when he... Uh, the lead investigator gets a call, hmm. and Sean is finally ready to talk about what happened to Denise. So when investigators talk to Sean, he agrees to tell them what happened on two conditions. Okay. First, he wants these fraud charges dismissed, and the second, he wants immunity in Denise's case. But when investigators reach out to Judy and David to let them know the situation, they're actually okay with it. Right. They say, you know. At this point, they just want to know what the hell's going on. Yeah. They want uh, Denise's body and they want some kind of closure. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to move on. Mm, okay. They ain't really caring about the justice part of it. They just want Denise's remains back. Yeah. And this is 2020? Yeah. 20, okay. June of 2020. All it wasn't long ago at all. Yeah. But like we said, Sean is diagnosed with this terminal illness. It ain't told what it is but right. uh it's it's pretty bad yeah it's not good so sean is in custody and they take him out well they gave him a couple conditions too right yeah they do so his conditions was basically he has to tell what happened you know you know if he that he did it and what happened and then show where her body is that's right that's the conditions of you getting immunity and getting those other charges dropped, that way he can be out of jail. And there's a twenty-five thousand dollar reward that so goes along. Yeah, that goes with that. Okay. Yeah, that's odd, but you know, yeah. But I guess they want her back. Yeah, they do. Right. 
So they take Sean out. They take him out to a few places. And this is on some of this is on the Johnson property. And he's just out walking around, kind of dumbfounded looking. Well, you know, everything's probably changing in 40 years. Yeah, probably is. But the police aren't telling him anything. They're just letting him talk and point out stuff. And uh, they don't find anything, man. No. They go to like 15 sites. They and, do this like over several, three, three or four days, right? Yeah. And they, Sean is unable to produce anything. He don't. He can't show him where she's at. Hmm. Yeah. So you think if he had done it, you know, if things that would have changed by then, you know, said, well, she's in this general area, bring in some cadaver dogs and, and look. Yeah, and I think the story he gave them is that the day that she went missing, that she had called him to go help look for the pocketbook. Yes. Since nobody else would go. It's his story. And they went out and went to, they went to go look and then they went for a drive. And then they ended up at a place called Three Mile Bridge. And there they were talking a bit and then things kind of got heated. They started arguing and then at some point, he pushed her, and she fell to the ground. And when she fell, she hit her head. Yeah. And he kind of walked off to, to kind of cool down a little bit. When she come back, she wasn't moving again. Mm-hmm. She was she was gone. Yeah. That was his story. That was right? his story, yeah. So, like, she fell and hit her rock or something. Who knows what. But but then after that, he don't give them a lot of details, right? That's right. So that's where that. And then he can't. They said, like, well, you know, you were talking about, you said that uh, – they were out there looking, and the cops were just not saying anything and waiting for him to tell them anything. Like, I mean, and one of the investigators was saying that he actually was looking to them like maybe they was going to give him a hint to where where to go. And so basically, he's waiting for them to kind of help him help Clue them him in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But they ain't buying, and they're, they not, they're not biting on it. They're they just ain't waiting. telling they ain't him nothing. Tell nothing. No, because they they're just waiting a minute. You got to hold up your end of the bargain. That's right. Right. Yeah. If you don't find her, it's off. But he ain't able to produce anything at no. all. So basically, he tells me he's lying. Yeah, they take him back and said the deal's off. I mean, I can understand because I think me and you talked about earlier this a little bit earlier today. This part here because as many killers and serial killers and stuff we've talked about, them guys don't forget much. No, they know. It's on the other side of that tree behind that rock over that one stump back there behind that other tree, and you'll find her close to that area. I went down this road, and there it is. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I mean, it might be a little bit stuff, and stuff looks way different, but they don't forget a lot. I mean, you're not going to go to three or four separate locations. No. I mean, you might go somewhere in this field. I'm not sure where it was in this field, but it's in this field, and that's where it'll be. It ain't like, well, this field, or maybe it was that other field. Or, you know, it's not like he. they're looking for... 10 victims you know where i can't remember where these are but i know one was here this is one and he should know exactly where yeah so that means uh the immunity deal is off oh yeah but they still have this confession on record yeah him killing her yeah so the immunity's off the money's off and basically i think he was just trying to get the money for his family or something right well he was wanting that twenty five thousand dollars to give to his kids yeah because he had that terminal illness right yeah but guess what since uh we have this on tape we're just gonna go ahead and charge you with it anyway if they know he's lying, why are they going to charge him anyway? That's right. That's that's what I'm kind of getting at. They they knew this whole thing. I mean, they had their hopes up, and they probably spent some money and some time taking him out there to, to follow up on his claims. But you're going to charge him with it anyway, even though he gave you a lying confession. I mean, what good is this going to do? Uh, so on July 9th of 2020, Sean is actually charged with voluntary manslaughter. Right. Yeah. And just a couple months later, on September 26th, before his trial can even begin, Sean passes away from his illness, and his attorney tells the Rushful record that in his final days, he fully recanted his confession and admitted he only told police that he was involved as a way to get out of jail 
and be back with his family and give the money to his kids. Right. So he can be out of jail for just the last few days of his life. Yeah. And then provide something for his family. Yeah. That's, I mean, so basically saying he lied about it all because he's just trying to do something to help his family, even though the good deed was not such a good and deed. And me and you were talking, you know, at this point, he's diagnosed with that terminal illness. You know, he's got nothing to lose. He's got nothing to lose. So, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of get that. I mean, it's kind of crappy to to get the family's hopes up like that. Mm-hmm. But I can kind of see, I mean, he's like, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go down that road. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, I guess since he passes away, we're, we're back to Benny Johnson. Yeah. I mean, the Mark Hughes guy, the guy, he's in prison. Don't really, he could have done it, I guess. But, I mean, he's doing 55 years. He might have told him he didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. But I, I really don't think that's our guy. But this Benny guy, man, he looks he looks like he's the guy. Yeah. Of course, you know, then you also got to bring up Larry Hall, right? Yeah, we've talked about Larry Hall in another episode. Yeah. Yeah, he was a um, suspected serial killer right. at this time. And he was around the area. And he was known for his civil war reenactments yeah he would participate in these and he was a driving weird, around an old van yeah he had a like mutton chops and a mustache you know just played the part of a, a civil, civil war, war guy reenactor yeah right. but uh he has been linked to this case of denise flum and supposedly in the area at the time so he's been he's like confessed to like 35 murders right? yeah that's right including hers he, he, has. he had well, he had made this list, I think, and then and the dates kind of lined up. It wasn't really, he didn't have dates for like, you know, month, month, day, year, but it was like under the year of 1986, he had a Denise in, in this area on, yeah. his, on his so-called list. But, you know, a lot of people think he's either, he's either killed like 50 people or he's really lied about a lot. So I don't know if he's a serial uh, murderer or a serial, uh, what, confessor? Would yeah. That be the way you do it? Kind of. Because, I mean, they got him. I mean, he's in prison for life for, for kidnapping, right? Yes, he, he is. He kidnapped somebody who, who died, and that's a federal offense that comes with uh, life without parole. He's actually in prison here in North Carolina in Butner. Right, right. He is. But I don't know. I don't know if Larry Hall had anything to do with it or not. No, but just because he was in the area and it was possible and he was on a, he made a list, put her name on it, you know, but, you know, he could have got that from anywhere. Could have. But, you know, I, what gets me is, the whole purse situation that she was going back out there to get. Did something happen to it that night? Did somebody... Well, how the hell did the cousin get it to bring it back home? I know. Unless they found it on... I don't know, man. I, I, this is all weird Was to me. somebody that night playing a prank on her and, and hiding it from her? Yeah, I don't know. Just to be a, a goof? And then the cousin brings it back? Or maybe did she... I would like to know... Did she see her cousin and go, can I put this in your car? And then forget about it. I mean, did she drive home? Do we know that? Did she drive out there and back, or did she go out there and party, and then somebody took her home? Oh, Denise? Yeah. She drove home without her her purse. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just thought maybe she had, you know, had too many beers, and somebody dropped her off home, and then she realized she she left it in her car or something, but forgot about it the next morning. That was my was, angle there. It had been reported that she had misplaced it at the bonfire. Okay. Somewhere out there in the field, and the cousin brings it home. Right. So I'd like to know. Well, and we don't really know what what kind of party situation we're talking about. We're not talking about if it's just a big old plain field with a fire in the middle or somebody had like some makeshift benches and stuff sitting around where people can just hang out or people bringing chairs and that kind of thing. We don't really know what the situation was. So Mm -hmm. I could see 
if uh, everybody's just hanging around and there's like a bunch of logs or some kind of something to set on and they're just talking and then you get ready to leave and get up and go and you just leave it there, you know, and forget it. Mm-hmm. Something like that. But being that, a, if it's just a big open field, I just don't see her carrying it around. I don't yeah, know. I don't I just, know. It's odd to me. Especially if she drove, she'd left it in the car. I don't know. That's what I think. Just lock it up in the car. Because she got her keys. Yeah. But that's it. Because she's able to drive home. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's kind of odd to me. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't care about her, so, I mean, I don't know. But, I mean, I've been a lot of places where people do, who do, you know, and usually want to just leave it in the car because you, you don't want to have to keep up with it. I would just like to know the circumstances about the cousin finding the purse. Or how they got it. Or where they got it from. To, yeah, and yeah. bringing it to the, to the house. Right. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard anything on that. And that is I, just and weird. If they had it, why wouldn't they, I was going to say, why wouldn't they call it that morning? But if she got up at 1230, if they'd been out partying all night, 1230 is kind of early anyway for teenager to be up and out of going about but i don't know it's just that is kind of baffling yeah just but just to me this benny johnson and it being their family's property they had this party on that just seems so i just don't understand how they cannot question this dude i know yeah he's just completely under the radar on this i mean does does the lawyer his lawyer never even offer up a statement or nothing i don't guess i just don't understand how can you have, well, I guess I guess because you didn't investigate. That's why. Mm-hmm. But at the time of Denise's disappearance, uh, she was wearing a medium red Motley Crue T-shirt, size 11 blue striped jeans. Man, this is a cool chick. Uh, old size 9 white sneakers, size 7 hip hugger panties, uh, size 34B beige or white bra, a gold ring with a garnet, and a silver class ring with a red setting. And Denise is a Caucasian female with brown hair, brown eyes. Her ears are pierced, and she wears contact lenses. Hmm. Yes, yeah, she was 5'6 and 135 pounds. Very pretty girl. Yeah. But if anybody has any information on Denise Flum, they can contact the Fayette County Sheriff's Department at 765 222 one two seven two. This is just crazy, man. I can't get over this. Yeah, this family. I mean, I know there's not a whole lot to this case as far as what we can offer you guys, but there's a whole lot of stuff that these investigators did not do. Yeah, this is just crazy. There is a three-part documentary on uh, Vice TV that was done on this. It's really good. If you get a chance, watch it. It's got more details. Oh yeah, a lot. Yeah. Uh, check it out way more than we've given on this episode and they get into some of the theories that we've talked about hmm. so go check it out get a chance oh man i'm gonna have to go get me a monster beer all right dude we're gonna get out of here man <laughs> all right man let's roll we want everyone to be safe please be careful and always be aware of your surroundings because the next episode could be about you this is the crack, crack house, house chronicles, chronicles.